Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heather, welcome back to Psych in the City. I'm the Psych, Heather Abel, and the city is Hollywood, California. Today, I have my good friend Mark Wahlberg from Temptation Island as my guest, and we're just going to talk about life. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to sit across from you. And very good intro. <laughs> Thanks. You did really good. <laughs> but I can't, I have to look at the floor so I, so I, I can that. focus. I know. I had to look down, too. It made me nervous. Well, because I can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> My memory's shot these days. I don't know if it's so important. <laughs> I'm finding that memory and focus is better soft anyway. It is? Yes. Well, you're the pro. I always have looked to you for advice once I started to be in front of the camera, which mm-hmm. is just recently. Mm-hmm. So, because we come from behind the camera. Well, that's how we met. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. met like 48 years ago. 48 years ago <laughs> after the Great War. Exactly. <laughs> we were for the Union. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were. I was a warm-up guy and you were handling uh, casting and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And... And we were out not smoking a cigarette. Not, and no. Not at all. Never. And uh, talking. Talking and um, and dealing with uh, both of us. I, th- I don't know where you were in your life at the time, but I was in this horrible transition time. I was just like doing what I had to do to feed family and stuff like that. But, um, you know, sometimes when you're in those situations, friendships form stronger and faster. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful for our friendship. I am. I was drawn to your kindness. Well. Something that always you. stands out to me. Uh, in people that is unique, sadly, is kindness. So you were you were incredibly kind and warm, and and that struck me, and it's always struck me about you. Don't uh, mistake it uh, desperate and needy for attention as kindness. But, uh, <laughs> if that's the way it came off for you, that's terrific. <laughs> but you're There's a fine line between kindness and codependence. <laughs> well, maybe we're both a little of of both. I, all of us are shades of all of those things. Yes. <laughs> But I was um, very drawn to that. And I think we're both sort of these um, angelic beams of light existing in the darkness. <laughs> if I may be so bold. Well, you know, um, it's easier to be light than dark. Although we're thrown to be dark, I think, quite a bit. As life comes up, it's easy to be the victim and, and be dark about life and and our ego takes over. But um, I find that it... The more I am kind and the more I'm not about me and the more I'm light about things and the more I trust that the universe is running the show and I'm not kind of balances out my uh, predisposition for self-narcissism mm-hmm. and actually is an easier road. That's beautiful. Thanks. Do I you- wrote it just now. <laughs> <laughs> because um, it's sort of like inherent in your being. I don't know if you have a spiritual practice, but it's sort of inherent in your being, this sort of sense of calm, which uh, I was drawn to as well. Thank you. I think that's a survival instinct that I get calm when things are rough, but I am not always calm. My battle always is with anxiety and a little bit of depression. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I worry. I'm a worrier or had been a worrier. And that's taken a long time to kind of reprogram that a little bit. And I uh, kind of boiled it down about a year and a half ago and kind of found a, a whole theory, a philosophy, a spirituality that has been really working for me and manifesting some really great stuff that I thought was impossible. And and I'm generally a little happier and a lot less stressed. So that's kind of cool. Is that Satanism? Or? It's Satanism. <laughs> it's not good for, you know, any live animals in the neighborhood because um, I'm sacrificing a lot. But um, and the fire is the fire is smelly and, with the and, carcasses. And, yes. And, you know, and, and, and the blood sacrifices are so messy. But but, you know, it's practice. No, I'm, I'm not a Satan worshiper. I'm actually discovering for the first time a true belief in something bigger than me. And uh, and in doing so. It may sound like a cop-out, but it takes all of the pressure of having to drive the bus. So when I stopped driving the bus and basically said to the universe, I quit. I quit. I quit worrying and driving and working really hard. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work really easy and trust that as history proves, all the times that were dark, we talked about dark, mm -hmm. uh, ended up working out. So I, I kind of said, what if what if you had a crystal ball, which you actually have, but uh, <laughs> what if one had a crystal ball where God came down and said, you know, this suffering is going to be gone in six months and four days. How would you act in that moment if you had that information? Mm -hmm. So you don't have that information, but you do have an, an historical reference that it has always sort of worked out. I mean, I'm still here. I'm still eating. I'm still alive. So I just chose to say, well, it's probably going to work out. So fuck it. I, I quit the worry thing and I, I, I zoomed out to a macro look at things rather than a management look at things. The management look of, of, of life is these are the things I want to accomplish. These are the things in the way. These are the practical matters that get us there. The macro look is are you anxious or blissful? That's it. And the way I look at it is if you look at it, <laughs> this is such a stupid analogy, but you invited me, so you have to hear it. Um, Fuck yeah, it is. So pretend there's two circuit boards of electrical switches. Uh -huh. And the right one are all the things you want to keep on, all the good stuff, the love and the health and the and the money and whatever, right? And on the, the left, this board has all the things you fear, right? Uh -huh. And you're constantly switching them on. And you keep a few of them on, but every time you get like three of them on, two of them go off. You can't keep them all on, you've got to look above the switchboard where there are two master switches. Right. One of them is anxiety and one of them is bliss. If the bliss switch is off, no matter how many of these switches on the positive board that you try to turn on, they're not going to stay on. Right. And if the anxiety switch is on, yep. you're going to be anxious. Yep. So rather than trying to figure out how to get to a destination, I just am constantly saying, what are you feeling? If you're feeling like shit, go do something that makes you feel better right. or say something that you may not believe right now, but is exactly opposite of what your mind is saying right now. Yes. So if your mind is saying, I don't know where my next job is coming. I don't know where the money's coming. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to pay bills. Instead, I have plenty of money for everything I want. And I picked those words specifically. It's not plenty of money for everything I need. What bitch have you been seeing behind my back? Yeah, no, maybe you've what been What spiritual advice have you been seeing behind my back? It's called, <laughs> it's called desperation and survival for an answer. I love At it. At some point, you grow weary of the way you used to do things. Right. And you have to get over your ego and try something different. You have to. And when you realize that worry, the, the whole bottle of worry, like that whole fifth of that bourbon, mm -hmm. is without any... Payoff. All worry does is make everything shitty. 
And the more you, and you feel like it's like um, it's like a uh, zeroing out your carbon footprint that if I worry about it, it's going to make it OK. I'm still going to be shitty. But if I worry about it, God will hear that I'm worried about it. So exactly. That's right. It's based and on it guilt. It doesn't fucking work. So yeah. what I'm discovering is if I'm worried, do something that makes me less worried and then things get easier. Yes. So I hang out with my chickens. You have chickens? I have chickens and a garden. I go, when my hands get dirty and I'm growing stuff, that makes me feel good. If I have to build something, I get my tools out and cobble something together. I, I, I do that kind of home improvement shit. Sometimes just moving gravel around helps me. It's, you know? it's called grounding. Do you know that? Literal grounding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's very much something about it. It is about literal it. grounding. I go out. We and are go, of the earth. Right. And the growth... <laughs> I, I'm going to sound like the movie Being There. Do you know the movie Being There? No. It's an old classic with Peter Sellers. Oh, I love it's Peter Sellers. It's really a spiritual movie, but you got Shirley mm. MacLaine, Peter Sellers. It's really great. But he's a gardener, but people think he's talking in metaphor, but he's actually talking about the garden. You pick what lives and what doesn't. You reap what you sow. You eat the good things. If you're good to it, it's good to you. If you're not, it's not. Your hands are in the dirt. You're... You're getting all the allergens of your area into your body so that you're not allergic. You're ingesting your environment. You're, yes. You're adding to your environment. You're making air. You're making oxygen. You're feeding bugs. You're feeding chicken. It's, it's yes. Just, and it, 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 maybe I smoke too much weed, but that's kind of where I've been is no. that world. So I get it. And, uh, you know, and then I find myself in this show like Temptation. I know that I'm there for a reason and so, okay, and grateful for the checks and the crazy route that it came to me and, and that it makes no sense. And that's how we should approach life is that it doesn't make sense in our brains. But I was watching it today, and I'm going to admit, mm -hmm. wasn't I haven't watched it. No. It's, I, I mean, I'm in love with you. Like I, I'm, I'm totally in love with you, and I, I, I should have been watching it. Mm -hmm. However, I don't have time right for TV really right now. But but anyway, so today I was oh, checking it out. It's a lot of bandwidth that may not be necessarily <laughs> your best use of time. So <laughs> but I, I was checking it out today, and I was thinking there is a spiritual context to this show. There is a spiritual message, which is you are sort of— testing these people's uh, uh, relationships, you are helping them to decide whether or not they want to move forward with their commitments. And that's kind of beautiful because you know what? In life, I would like that test sometimes. I don't know if, uh, yes, thank you. I I, I don't know that it, it's an actual, you know, scientific test. It certainly isn't. It's a it's a television show and it's contrived and it's ridiculous and no one should go there if uh -huh. they're having trouble with the relationship. They should talk to a therapist or talk to one another, which is well, really, I kind of, I kind of wanted to go there. Well, well, you. I, I think I'm a little too old for this, but I, I, no. I kind of wanted to go there. I think you're timeless, and you are every embodiment of spirituality and temptation. <laughs> in so I think that's a show in itself. But <laughs> Thank the you. way I look at it is, it's not. I say to them, look, it's a TV show. Your reason the truth, which is you want to be a little bit famous, and that's cool too. Right. And it doesn't matter to me because it becomes very real. Whether you want it to or not, it's going to become very real. And you're going to get all these answers, but none of the questions will be the same. So what you think your reason for being here, it just isn't that. And I choose for me, the only way I can the only way I can reconcile the role of host in this is I have to be completely 100% buying what I'm selling and authentic. Right. But let's chop it up. Right. So people 
constantly say the show's manipulating, we're trying to break people up. We're, we're not. And the truth is, it is very manipulating. We're showing not accurate factual clips to one another. We're showing things that invoke deep, deep emotional response. Hopefully. Or not. Right. And in both of those is your answer. And I'm constantly saying it's not the truth of this clip. These are taken out of context. It's what it brings up for you. And that's what you need to look at because the journey isn't about what are they doing wrong or can I be can I be faithful? It has everything to do with who are you? What do you need to learn about you? And why has this love relationship you say you're in not been working? Right. And it's not about the other person ever. Right. So, you know, I'm going to drive that bus as best I can with no degree and no criterion or um, uh, or credential or pedigree. But except that I've been on the planet longer than them and I failed more times than they've tried. And I just try to take it down that road. Like if, if they're bullshitting the situation, I call it out. If they display some growth, but it doesn't look like the kind of growth the audience would expect. In other words, it involves straying. I don't judge that. Everybody's got their own path. Every relationship is their own relationship and everybody's trying to figure it out. But it's like Shakespearean to create conflict. You know, I mean, I love it. Well, of course. Why well, not? Well, bigger than that, you would, the, the search for your one true someone or wondering if the one true someone is true or wondering if there's someone better out there is the stuff that Shakespeare wrote. It's the stuff right. the Bible wrote. It's every right. love song. Every, it's fantastic. Every poem was motivated by that conundrum, which is nearly impossible to crunch. And so the answer is it's got to be imperfect. And the only the gap between perfection and imperfection in your relationship gets filled with forgiveness and understanding that we're flawed. Right. So the rules are the rules. The actions are different than the rules. And love has to be blurry, gray and muddy to make room and fill the gaps of where it doesn't logically work. Right. So it's got to be living in forgiveness and non-judgmental support and straight up unadulterated love, however it looks for the two people in it. So, 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 so for me, it's like you're somewhat diminishing your role as this uh, host. I like to be falsely modest because I'm right. This is bullshit because no, I kill it. No one could do this, but you. Well, that's not true. Anybody with some emotional intelligence no. can probably do it, but I have a take on it that's mine. And you're the best. To it. You're the best at it. Well, thank you, Heather. Yes. I do what I do. Yes, because I, you're, you are emotionally intelligent. Well, you are I, attached to them in an emotional way. You honestly care. Well, that, I know you honestly that's care. That's the truth. You honestly care. Now, regardless of the trolls on Twitter or whatever, the truth is, right. when the show's on the air, I can watch it and be a little removed and kind of laugh at people's responses and watch it more like professional wrestling. But in the moment, you truly care. I, I know said you. to them off camera and it didn't get in the show. If I can get you guys to commit to each other at the level that I'm committed to you right now, you're going right. to be okay. Exactly. And they think I'm full of shit, but I go home at night oh, yeah. with the burden of them. Oh yeah. And it never stops. And I'd like to continue the show just onward. Just keep going. I just want to keep talking to them and making sure, you know, seeing how they go from this point forward, because it doesn't end when you leave the island. We dealt with talent. We dealt with yeah, contestants yeah. together on shows and we would be emotionally attached because we have to. big old hearts. That's all you can do. We get emotionally attached to these people. So I, I mean, for anyone out there who watches these shows, it can be hard, mm. you know, well, it's hard for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to learn in life, I think. We have to learn how to be there for other people with an open heart, but not carry their burden. In Al-Anon, they call it loving detachment. Yes. Um, 
but that's a learned skill and natural for some, but not for others. And uh, so that's tough. But for them, the burden of being on TV, going through this thing, real or unreal, is is difficult. And everybody processes it in their own way. And that's why even when people on Twitter and Instagram are coming at them in different ways, I'm constantly saying, look, don't. You really can't judge it. Everybody's experience is their own. They're going through it the way they are, you know, and bless their heart. Let <laughs> me ask you a scandalous question. Okay. Do you ever get tempted <laughs> by the Temptation Island oh, contestants? Please. They would have to have a pretty serious daddy issue to be interested in <laughs> the age gap. But, you know, when I did this thing in 2001, I was still older than them. Really <laughs> now it's a reboot 20 years later, and I am way in the dad, creepy <laughs> uncle man. So, I mean, so you don't go there? I get a cute little flirt every now and then just to make me feel like I, don't, I exist, but I I don't go there at all. I mean, I've got, I've got children their age, and uh, and they sadly don't go there either but, So um, that's a no. <laughs> as soon as I'm walking around feeling like, you know, my shit's together, I'm tan, I've been working out, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to wear this tank top, I got this. Right. Then the cash shows up, and I'm like, oh, shit, I look like hell, I'm 100 years old. Stop. And just go put on a moo-moo and call it a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you're married, you've been with your wife for how long? 32. Get out. You 32 years? 32 years. That's incredible. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Full contact. And you got <laughs> full contact. And by the way, and just so go on record, all the emotional intelligence people have been lauding me for on the show, I learned from her. Wow. Either by being coached by her or coaching her. Us rolling up our sleeves in the kitchen and having it out and figuring it out. Wow. So that's where you get it, man. So that's, yeah. I guess, my my uh, perspective is from that seat. So John Lennon once said, if you pretend to be happy, you will be happy. You know, they say act as if in, in other programs. So, yes, that's very similar. Right. You're, it's a learned skill. It's a, a you, your body's, there's a, a neuroscience behind it. Uh-huh. Um, that's why people say words have power. I think that's true. I think mm-hmm. um, what you focus on is what you get, what your intention is. If you're unclear about what your intention in life is, look where you are. That's exactly what you intended. So you've changed a lot since I last saw you. Yeah. Yeah. In 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 your sp- in your spiritual practice, you're well, just I've a lot lighter. Meditating. You're a lot lighter. Well, on certain days, Back I don't know on. if I'm I'm often. You know, I, I'm a. I get I get dark and heavy, and things are deep to me, and I'm going through you know some stuff in my family that's you know taking some effort, but. What I have done is grown weary of being the anxiety guy all the time. And so I, I did uh, transcendental meditation mm-hmm. training. So I do that twice a day. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, and I just um, I'm in the conversation a lot to make sure that I don't let myself go to the place where, look, if, think about anxiety. And mine was not chronic to the point of like, you know, you know, I suffer, too. Well, I think most of us do at some level, right. but yes, I, um, I really had a bad, in when I had my talk show, it was all bigger than me. Everything was too big and I felt responsible. But what I've come to is that, look, you know, um, if I don't take care of myself early mm-hmm. and allow that thing to creep in, then you have an anxiety attack. And once you're in, and anybody who's had one, once you're in an anxiety attack at any level, mm. mine are pretty mild, but... You can't get them out until no. until you, it lets go of you. Right. And anybody who's described it describes it almost the same, that it's almost like you're in a bubble. You see people and you hear them, but you're not really in the same room with them. No. You know, and so if I don't treat it, if I don't pay attention, not treat, if 
I don't pay attention to where I am and I stuff, then shit shows up for me and right. I start to freak out. And then at that point, it could be too late. So that's what I'm saying. As soon as I feel myself going, I, I'm constantly going, where are you right now? Anxious, sad, angry, happy. What, where are you? Manic. Right. Let's adjust because I now have some tools that I've read and learned that, you know, if I'm anxious, I'm living in the future. If I'm uh, bingo, yeah. if you're depressed, you're living in the past. Right. And uh, <laughs> and you're not really ever too upset when you're living in right now. And constantly you have to go, OK, that worked. Right Everyone now is so and fun, and isn't I'm it? I'm right here. So right now is a blast. Nothing's getting repossessed. Nobody's dying. <laughs> I, you know, I'm right here. Right now is just fine, and everything else is an illusion. So yes. So for me, it's the garden and the chickens. So when I'm not in the now, I go out there and I feed some chickens and I pick a tomato and I sound like a 75 year old British lady, but it's awesome. It's not so bad. <laughs> so you openly admitted to smoking weed earlier. Yeah. Okay. Who fucking cares? At this point, right. I, I feel like I've lived long enough that now America and the world has made it legal and it's right. some of the fun out of it. You know, I used to smoke weed, you know, well, we all smoke weed, man. I still smoke weed. I like right. weed. You know, I don't like to drink so much, but I'll, I'll have, a, you know. Weed is awesome. It's pretty awesome. It, it can't, I, I, I describe drugs to my kids, all the drugs to my kids when I had to break it down and have the conversation. And I kind of did it in pretty generalized statement, but I said, look, it goes like this. Um, Alcohol is sloppy and dangerous. Uh, weed is the beer of drugs, but if you smoke it chronically, you're going to end up in a coffee shop hoping to write your novel in Amsterdam and not writing anything and just hanging out <laughs> on the couch. Uh, so buyer beware. Um, uh, everybody should do shrooms at least once. Absolutely. Acid, acid maybe more than anyone needs to do. Um, and no great story starts with, I did a bunch of cocaine and. No, coke sucks. The yeah. devil's dandruff. Yeah, the devil's dandruff. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> Meanwhile, neither of my kids, well, my son's in the military, so he can't do anything. My daughter is just a glass of wine or two. And you ever try a- Molly? I did uh, ecstasy before it was Molly. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'm not really sure the difference. I have to, by the way, I'm at the point now where I constantly am reading my Instagram and Twitter and have to go to Urban Dictionary to look up what the phrases are. Oh. But, um, I did ecstasy at a dead show once. It wasn't my favorite thing. I do remember sitting there with my wife who was pregnant at the time. And she's like, do you feel anything? She does nothing. She's been sober the whole time I've known her. She's right. sober, sober. But uh, she says, do you feel anything? I'm like, no, no, no. And then she asked me again. I said, nope, I don't feel anything except... An incredible urge to hug that biker. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of got that vibe from, but it wasn't. Did you hug the biker? I hugged everyone, (laughs) which I don't need drugs to do. I'm a little bit touchy feely. But uh, yeah, no, I I definitely went up and gave him a little love. Uh, Love your best, man. Molly's kind of fantastic. You should, I recommend it. You should try it. I don't don't know if I'm down. I got some right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay on the relatively sober tip these days. I'm, no, I'm the same. Yeah. I'm the same. But um, so, but uh, you know, my dad was a is a grower, but he was a grower since the '70s. I know he was like commune guy. Right, right. So that's how we made our money. Yeah. And now he is under the guise of medical marijuana. Yeah. Whatever. He's, he's legit now. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I said, you know, I go in now and and. Go into a store and buy it like anything else. And it's taken a little of the fun out of it. It really has. The old days of trying to score your weed. I know. And I even said, this is how I know I'm old. I went in and there were all these like millennials and then a bunch of guys who should be wearing shirts that say old guys rule like they have ponytails and stuff. Oh and I'm there and the bud tender, 
I know. Who's this hot little cutie who's like, okay, so we have this strain and that strain and this strain. And this one's like, if you want to have this and everything. And I literally stopped her and I heard myself sounding like a grandpa. I said, honey. When I was your age, and I was like, let me tell you, kid. I said, when I was your age, we had two strains of weed. Do you want to know what they were? She said, what were they? I said, you have it or you don't. Exactly. That's the two strains. Or how about dirt weed? Yeah, it didn't matter. We didn't, I mean, we had names, but who gave up? You know, who cared? So I was like, you either had it or you were sifting the stems and seeds in a flower sifter and hoping to get a headache. Yeah. That was about it. So whatever you want to sell me is fine with me. My husband always goes like, oh, this is Yoda's brain or this is yeah. Blue Dream or this is this or that. And I'm like, it all fucking is the you know, same. It's all a little bit of fun, a little something to eat and a nap. That's yes. what it is. It's kind of like vodka. I yeah. can't tell the difference between any of it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, so what's next for you? Well, um, you know, on the works front, uh, it's, you know, we're in the end of the year. So, so it's nothing. You know, and <laughs> and this would drive me crazy and ruin my holidays for years. I'm like, I got a plan. I got to do something. I got to work. I got to do what I can to. And I would wait for January to come so I could start up again. But I'm not running the show anymore. You know, there's a higher power running all of the world. So I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to live my life and, and work will show up or it won't. And we'll eat or we won't. And it'll be fine. So it's February 16th is when you're going to have your next job. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll keep the date open. <laughs> um, that works out for me, by the way. Yeah, I does the, it? Yeah, that's a good time. So that's awesome. I'm supposed to go back. I think we're going to do another season of Temptation Island unofficially, officially. Cool. Probably around April. It's a big hit, right? It's pretty gigantic. Pretty gigantic. I can't figure it out. It's, well, because it's, you deserve it. Yeah, uh, well, it's just not about me. There's 150 people on that show. I'm just <laughs> glad I'm on it. Uh, it I'm is. doing some corporate stuff. I do some corporate uh, meetings that I... I, I like to do, so I'm doing that in March, and I'll, I'll probably go on the road a little bit with, um, I do the Price is Right Live, which is a stage version of the Price is Right, which doesn't pay me enough money to go, but I can't seem to quit it. Because they love you. It's my bro- no, I love it. I, you do. Well, you know me when I was a warm-up guy. Right. So I would go and improv with audiences, and, and you know, your, your executive producer has a background in stand-up, so you kind of get that. Right. Um, so um, I used to get that fix. I used to dread it and hate it because I would want to be making real money instead of having to grind it out with, you know, a methadone clinic of audience members, but <laughs> uh, not that I'm judging you on your recovery, but nonetheless. Uh, so, but now that I host my own shows and all, I don't get that a lot. And most of the stuff I do is out in the field. There's no audience. So this price is right is people love the show. They come for the show. It's a celebration of the TV show. It's on stage. It's not televised. And I go out for 90 minutes and I improv and have a blast with people. So I do it just selfishly and all day long. And it's bus and truck. I sleep on a bus with these 11 people and we go to the next city and we're in these vaudeville houses that are from the twenties. And we do these shows for 2000 people. And every morning I wake up and go, why am I here? I'm doing nothing all day. It's so stupid. I'm not making any money. And then around seven o'clock at showtime, I'm like, I love it. I can't wait for tomorrow let's do it again and i can't seem to quit so i tour all over doing that but you i know do why you're there doses. you know why you're there why? because you're manifesting it's you're, all you're look, in the vibration and you're creating more while being in the vibration because you love what you do it's it's art like I, for me that's art i listen i get to make people laugh so that's good right mm-hmm. so when they laugh that's not a bad thing. And then when they win something, they get a prize and they feel good. And that's not a bad thing. And for an hour and a half, whatever reason 
you know, whatever they're going through. And often it's like the dead of winter in Calgary in a hockey arena. You know, if they're inside and warm and laughing and winning stuff, that's as high a purpose as anything else. Exactly. I don't need to judge that. So if that and, and again, it's either anxiety or bliss for me. That's blissful for me. That's and the serious. bus and all that. That's like, oh, that's the other thing I forgot to say. Whenever you're anxious, whenever you're self-absorbed, whenever you can't deal, be of service to something exactly. else. Exactly. Service is the rent we pay for our space here on earth, Muhammad Ali. Oh, awesome. Right? Nice. I like you that. You pay one. that rent. Yeah, I like that. That's a great quote. The one I do is from Hamlet. I think it's from Hamlet. I hope it's from Hamlet because I'm so illiterate. But um, there are more things, Horatio, in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy, <sighs> which is deep in this sense. If I were to say to any human being, what is the thing you want the most and how do you think you're going to get it? You can't imagine a possibility as outrageous as the one that probably will unfold, or at least in my life. I, I don't even have the capacity to imagine at the level of the way things actually manifest. And so if you do approach it from the standpoint of plan, right. you're... Basically saying fuck you to God. Right. And you're taking out of the possibility, uh, taking out of the um, equation, cosmic possibility possibility that makes no sense. Yes. For instance, there's no reason that a guy who did a show in 2001 when he was in his 30s and has been doing Antiques Roadshow for 14 years and then really hasn't been getting too many phone calls in the TV world should get a call to do a show 20 years later. Of course. Out of the blue, and they still hire you at 57 years old. It makes no sense. There'd be no thing. When I'm sitting there going, how am I going to make, you know, where's my career going next year? Oh, I know what. That show I did 20 years ago will come back and I'll do that. That just is not a thing. It does That doesn't happen. But then when I look back at my life, almost all of my big things were under the heading of this doesn't happen in show business. Right. And the things that are supposed to happen in show business, you audition, you get a call back, you get the job. Maybe once that's happened to me. Right. It's all bullshit. We have it so wrong in our quest to run the show. Yep. We don't get it. We're just these little ants and we're just on this planet for a short period in this body we're borrowing for a while in this spirit that's connected to everybody else, this energy that's a oneness that we're get a flavor of, a little taste of, a little we're a, we're a, a little chunk of light of, but it's not ours, it's borrowed and and it'll be gone and but the energy never ends. You can't create energy, you can't break down energy. It just is. Yeah. And we borrow this body, we borrow this room, we borrow this microphone. It's true. So I'm loving you right now. I'm loving you right now. Yeah. (laughs) So we worked on one of the shittiest shows known to man. And I think it was, I mean, it was completely karmically flawed. What was that show? Change of Heart. Well, Change of Heart and also the one with Schultz. What was that called? Um, Uh, The Liar One. The Liar One. Moment of Truth. Are we talking about things that aren't supposed to happen? That was the most fucked up show we've ever done. do you know how I got that show? How? You ready? What? So I was doing a pilot for a show for some game show about antiques. Okay. At Hollywood Center Studios. Right. And... 
I finished the shit and it went terribly. And at the end of the day, it's like nine o'clock at night and I'm like exhausted. So I'm still in my, my little adorable suit and I still have makeup on. <laughs> I'm all dressed up like a hose. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I'm too tired to hang. I'm just going to go home like this in makeup and just get in my car. As I'm walking in the car, our mutual friend, Mike Maddox, yes. is producing this pilot for Howard Schultz. Right. He rest in peace. Right. Um, and he calls me and I'm like, hey, Mike, what's up? It's Friday night, 930. I haven't talked to you in a while. He's like, um, we're doing this pilot for NBC and we just fired our host and they want you. Um, and I'm like, well, where are you? He says, I'm at Las Palmas. I said, well, I'm five minutes away. I can be there. He said, but it's produced by Howard and I know you guys had a rub and, and there was a problem. We had not talked. Oh. And I said, look, Mike, I, I have no interest necessarily in, in working there, but I also don't have any energy to hold grudges. It takes a lot of energy to keep up a grudge. Good. And uh, are you in trouble? Do you need help? Because you're my friend. Right. He says, yeah, I kind of am. I said, I'll be there. Five minutes. So nice. I get in my car, I drive around the block, literally around the block, you know. Right. I pull in. Mike gets in my car as I park, as I watch the other host walking to his car who was managed by man, my manager. So my managers are walking their other client to the car, not realizing that I've replaced their client. Wow. And I'm in the car and he's trying to tell me the show, but I'm sort of not listening. And it's now 10 o'clock at night. And I walk from the car to the studio. I shake hands with Howard, you know, cordially. I mm -hmm. give him a figure that I need to be paid on Monday. There's no contract. We're all good. You're like 10 million. Yeah. Well, $10. Um, <laughs> I didn't value myself quite like I do now. And uh, then I walked in the studio and everybody's like panicked. And I, my survival mode in those situations is to get calm. I panic later, but I don't panic in the moment. So I went to just what I know. And I, I, the stage manager came up and started to brief me. And I literally, and I don't usually do this. I said, you know, chill. I put my hand up. I said, you've got to chill a bit. Right. And I went over to the audience and I said, how long have you guys been sitting here? And they said, what happened here? It's like nine in the morning. This sucks. I'm so exhausted. I said, I tell you what. Give me one hour of your undivided attention and I will have you home. But if you got me, I got you. All right. You are I'll so the best. Such so a good like, got you. Professional. So then I look at the camera grid, I kind of see what's up, and I'm like just solving problems in my head. The stage manager at this point has written me off because I, I kind of dissed him. And I go sit in the chair and I look at him and I say, count it down. And they go, five, four, three, two, one, and we go. I don't even know the title of the show. I don't know the title of the show. I got the concept, kind of, from what they told me. We're gonna get chills down. So we go through the first segment, and it was all about a lie detector. For those of you, the show is called a Moment of Truth. If you don't know what it is, and it was a people take a lie detector test. We reveal the results, and if you're truthful in those results, you win money. So I really didn't have a take on it, and the question was something like, uh, "Do you really care about the environment?" And the woman says, "I." I don't. And the audience, <laughs> audience boos. And then the voiceover goes, that answer is true. Meaning that the lie detector, when she said she doesn't care about the environment, she was honest about it. Right. And I said, well, congratulations. That's $1,000 for you. And rather than judge you for that answer, I hear a big response from the audience that they disapprove of the fact that you say that you don't really, truly care about the environment. Right. And she's feeling bad. And I said, well, you know, before we go to break, I have a question for the audience. As a matter of fact, I have a statement. Audience members, raise your hand if you drive an SUV. Damn, that's smart. Audience raises their hand. I go, we'll be right back with, but then I don't know the name of the show. So they have to roll the prompter up to tell me the name of the show. And I say it. And then I walk out and we're done. Show sells in 20 countries. It ends up on Fox, not NBC. And it comes back to me to host. And I'm like, oh, there's no way in hell I'm hosting this show. It's awful, evil. Yeah. They send me the pilot. They beg me. They throw money at me. I show it to my family. My family's like, Mark, this is really kind of crazy show. You yeah. should do it. Yeah. So I did it.
Yeah. Yeah. There are more I, things I, in heaven and earth that are dreamt of in your philosophy. There is no place in show business that you get a network pilot that goes to series at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Yeah, but production is nuts. I mean, it's, we can be. it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. We could have do another show about how production is yeah. nuts, but we won't. Yeah. So we have this segment called The Voodoo That You Do. And uh, I'm I'm just wondering what you would like me to do a little voodoo for you today. Was that a proper sentence? (laughs) (laughs) What what you would like me to do? (laughs) What would you like? What would I like your help in manifesting through voodoo for me? Well, first of all, I have to say that um, I know enough to know that wanting things pushes things away. Yes. In desperation, we repel. Right. And so accepting what you have makes room for everything to come my way. Beautiful. So I'm like, you know, really when you ask me what I would like to manifest, I'm, I am somewhat hesitant to verbalize something I want for fear of pushing it further away. But let me just share with you things that are on my mind. I, um, uh, my daughter is having some love stuff and some relationship stuff that I, I am grateful. Let's just, I'm choose my words very carefully. I'm grateful to receive anything that's going to make me a better parent in this situation and make it easier for everybody. So I'm grateful in advance for that. Is that a breakup with a B or D name? No. Okay. Uh, it's not a breakup, but it's a rub between the family. And I don't want to get too much into detail okay. in this podcast, but yes, she's um, just a difference of opinion about Love and yeah, right. And the other thing that's more of a practical matter for me is that it's an old trigger of stuff is that I've, I've started to do some remodeling in my house without a contract for next season yet or any idea how I'm going to finish paying for it. So my house is is in disarray and people are stressed. And so any manifestation of calm with the people that I love and love me and a a nod from above that all will be okay and that we manifest all the resources I need financially and beyond to make our living space more peaceful. Okay. So I'm just going to give you a mini mini reading. I'll take it. Is dad or granddad, uh, were, were they in the military as well as your son? My father was a little bit, but really that granddad thing might be more like uh, my wife's uncle who was in the military, who was like a patriarch. Right. Yeah. Angel is yeah. angel above you, right? Yeah, he's here. He's still on the planet. Oh, he's well, 95. Is your dad not with us? My dad's with us. Who is the angel that is a military man? There's someone above you that's like a military angel. I don't okay? know. Could because be from military your past. being part of my life through my it's son just is... first generation? Out of, well, it's first generation. Well... There have been people. My dad was in the Navy and reservists. So he's alive. My uncle was in the Army. He's alive. Uh, it hasn't been an overwhelming thing. But what's interesting is his choice. My son is a Navy pilot. His choice to be in the Navy is a cosmic thing. It right. Was at birth. Robbie, my wife, went to a rebirther when she was pregnant who said, your son in your womb is a warrior and he's been placed here to be part of the generation to save the planet. And we said, you've got the wrong womb. And who he has become is very much that. There's like a military angel above you. Well, so this guy like put that juju in him or something. Yeah, so I a, think she's right. It's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. We come from this pacifist showbiz family. And my son is, if I ever thought of reincarnation, he is, how do I describe this? He is of the ilk of the old 
poet, statesman, warrior. Yeah. The 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 romance and honor of the fight. Right. And the duty. Right. And I've never seen anybody more in tune with that, even though his way in was just he wanted to fly planes. So it's really he used to when he was in college, write me these long essays about leadership and stuff that were just he'd write them because he had time on his hands. So he's he's an old soul somewhere. No, he is placed here for some reason. And I don't even know how that's relevant to your reading. It just no, like was no, the first sure thing does. that popped in. Yeah. But um, he he is a special one from from many, many lives. OK, so that is like this angel is on you too, bringing you strength and bringing you forward movement. You will uh, you can afford these renovations. OK, there are three g- large gigs, large jobs coming to you next year. Okay. Great. Yes. One is the temptation Island, uh, next season. Okay. Then there are two other opportunities going later into the year. So you're totally blessed with that. Great. Uh, will I be of service in these things? Will they be things that I'm proud to be of service? of? Yes. Yes. One's pretty cheesy, but the other one is of service. It's a, it's a feel good, a feel good. Okay. But cheese is not bad. Right. No, no. Cheese is great. Cheese is delicious. Cheese is great. Uh, I'm a purveyor okay. of fine cheese quite regularly. Now, this is for something fucked up and weird. Okay. And I don't know if I should, I don't give a fuck. So, so family feud comes through. Okay. Oh, I thought you were going to say something fucked up and weird. I immediately panicked, by the way, when you said fucked up and weird. No, like, but who's dying? somehow, you? somehow, like, who's you, dying? Who's sick? right. But um, somehow I see you on family feud. Um, one of my favorite shows to host. I've done the live version of it. Okay. Um, the easiest show on television to make funny. Right. That's no slam to Steve Harvey. I think he's brilliant. But right. I'm just saying. And uh, I don't know if Harvey's leaving. Hold on a second. When you say Family Feud, <laughs> it may not be Family Feud. I have, okay. I've created a show that I'm working on. No, I haven't worked on. It. I haven't talked about it for quite some bit. But it it has to do with family. Okay. And it's in the title. Okay. Family. Okay. And. They will be playing together, very similar in the sense that it's five people playing together Thank like Family you. Feud is. Okay. But it's not that. It's And there is a deepness. It's cheesy, but there's a deepness. That's what I'm seeing. It's going to be a hit. It's okay. going. Good. So that's going because I see that. And, and that's why I was like, I can't imagine Steve Harvey leaving. No. But I see the families. Yeah. yeah. I, this so is that one goes. Like, I'm right. getting chills right Great. there. So um, I'll take that. That's your voodoo. Okay. I like the voodoo that you do so well. Daughter's fine, right? Yeah, I... It's just, I see a disconnect in belief systems. I don't know if that means anything to you. It does, and I wonder if it's mine. So here's where I'm at with not only the blossom and bloom of my entire life, which is my daughter. Yes. Um, Professional ballerina, by the way. I know, it's amazing. But for all all of us who are parents... There is the gap between us showing love in the way that we think it is love and then breaking that down to realize that, in fact, we're self-serving in that love. That we're not doing anybody anybody's favor, anybody any favors by protecting them from life or helping to drive their life in a way out of harm's way. Mm-hmm. Who are we to do that? We all live through harm's way and those stories of harm's way that we live through are what make us awesome today. And who am I to rob that? of anyone, especially an adult child who I've raised, who's brilliant. Right. So what this is me saying to me, they are exactly where they're supposed to fall, even if it feels very uncomfortable to me. 
Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I had zero supervision, zero curfew, zero rules or anything. Yeah. I, I and I, know that I turned you. out all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a beautiful tapestry of fucked up. As, as, I'm teasing. Yeah. No, you're a wonderful person. But what I'm saying is, it's, it, I think we it's rob good. ourselves it's a good by thing. homogenizing it's a good things thing. by taking the hit for our children. Well, why do you have to be so restrictive about everything? Let people figure their shit out on their own. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think Chopra, Deepak Chopra talks about that with his children. That's how he raised his yeah. children. Yeah. We listen to Deepak a lot. You do. Yeah. yeah cool. We do a 21 day meditation challenge a lot. Cool. Uh, with him. I love the, I'll mind the time. <laughs> You'll hear a time to let you know. Well, let go of the mantra. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I, you know, um, I love that I don't see you for long stretches of time, but we pick up right where we left off. I love that our conversations are often ethereal and deep like this. And, yes. Uh, and I'm and I'm really honored that you wanted to chat with me today. So. But where's the beer and cheeseburgers? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we usually we, do. We do that. I'm trying to eat better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say that I'm trying to eat better when I post made a gel taco yesterday when my wife was out of the house. Oh, my God. No, She's you, like, did you eat? I said, yeah, I had a little something. What did you eat? Oh, it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you now, honey, I had Del fucking taco. So you're so fit right now. I mean, I don't know you, if I'm so fit. You've really like gotten the best shape of your life, is what it seems like. I was in the best shape of my life a few months ago. I am now in my winter um, hibernation <laughs> um, body, but it's look great. still better than my summer body two years ago. <laughs> so we're working on it. It's all oh good. Oh my god! All, you know, I I'm learning to accept. Uh, this is the case I get. This this is it's it. your temple. It's be this tall. It's not going to be any taller. I'm not going <laughs> to get any. This is it. And I can <laughs> maybe make it a little bit better looking, but that's about it. You look great. It's you great do. to see you. You are. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So rate, review, or and subscribe this episode. It was great talking to Mark Wahlberg, Mark L. Wahlberg. Yes. And and know that I will read the reviews and I will go depend upon your reviews. So be kind because I, I, I will take them too, too seriously. And we'll start crying. Yeah, I cry a lot. <laughs> I cry a lot too. In the dark a lot. <laughs> yes. Okay, you guys. Bye. If you liked today's episode, please leave me a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening. For more info about me, visit my website at heatherobble.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.